Hey there, welcome to Motorcycles and Misfits at the Recycle Garage in sunny Santa Cruz, California. Hot sunny Santa Cruz, man. Oh, it's sweaty it ass hot today. Indeed. And tonight in the garage, we have Liza. What's up, my wig wax? I am Bagel. Assalamu alaikum. And we have Naked Jim. Some people like cucumbers pickled. And we have a non-naked Jim. Good evening. The night's young. And we have Charlie. Hey, what's up? And Emma. Hello, darlings. Matt. Oh, hey there. And Hi. I, Isaac. Hi. <laughs> and, and we have guests from New Jersey. Jim. Hi. How you doing? And Kathy. Hi. Was Kathy made aware of the petrified possum hanging behind her? Um, no. <laughs> There's <laughs> no. Should I look? Don't know. Don't know. Oh, okay. okay. Don't, don't turn around, Kathy. I will. I will look later. You, you might want to look after the podcast. Yeah, yeah. I'll look later. Yeah, it's better. Hey, thanks for the intro, Bagel. I appreciate it. You're welcome. Um, so much going on. So much. But yeah, when you said it was hot out, that was an understatement. It's like... It's, it was balls hot. Uh, hey, no, man. it's beyond that. It is cunt hot. I, I only did a naked... I did two naked rides today. That's how I, hot it was. I mean, all I'm going to say, it is not as hot as it was in Chalas or in Lahore. We are okay. so spoiled. I will say there was no planned naked ride today. However, Jim did show up on his bike to the garage naked. But I put my clothes on once I got here. Rode here naked, got off his bike, and put his clothes on. <laughs> Completely naked. And how many people paid attention to you when you were coming down here? None. Not one. Didn't turn one ahead. Very kind of discerning, so I, that's why I did the second lap. I was like right. trying to get some attention. Yeah, so. well, this is Santa Cruz. So. Yeah, next yeah. I'm going to make the ba 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 sound and see if yeah, they turn go. heads. Um, hey, I wanted to get to what we did this weekend, and I'll start with Jim, Yuri, and I went on an awesome ride yesterday. Way awesome. I have to say, so initially it was going to be Jim and I with a passenger, so it was going to be a slow, easy ride. And then the passenger fell out, and Yuri wanted to come. And when Jim found out it was not going to be a passenger slow ride, and instead Yuri Berrigan on his race, race bike is going to show up and ride with us, Jim started like... He's sweating bullets. Oh, yeah. Liza calls me on the phone, and I'm like, ride. Because we had talked about dirt biking, and she's like, well, whatever. And I'm like, I don't care. As long as we ride, I'm down. So she calls me. Yeah, we're going to ride up to one, grab lunch, and um, and then just bounce in and out of the hills. I'm like, cool. She goes, yeah, Yuri's going to come. And I told Liza, I said, that sound is my asshole <laughs> puckering and squeezing out a diamond because Yuri just got back from Isle of Man. Yeah. Yuri can ride. Um, and so it was a great ride. We went up the coast, and we did a lot of the little off-roads, like, um, Swanton Road, which That's we have right. renamed um, uh, Ball Slap Alley. Ball Slap Alley. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of little bumps, and you just you, you're no hammer, hammered balls. I, I thought I thought Liza liked that kind of riding because it was technical and challenging and hard. Because you know when you, th I hadn't been up those roads once. I think Swanton maybe once years ago, and right. never Gazos. But you know it's the tipple. You know they're they're curvy, fast roads, dappled sunlight, so the pavement's kind of weird to see. But you're coming around these, you know these these turns at a fairly quick clip and then you're you know accelerating out of them but yeah there were a couple of stretches where you roll on the throttle you get a glimpse of the pavement ahead um and it's too late. You can tell that it's not modeling. It's actually the pavement all fucked up. Actually, yeah. so, you, so it's no big great. deal. Yeah, you get yeah. up on your foot pegs and you're ready for it. But then your suspension just always seems to time it just right where it's like someone just slaps you right up in the love junction. Does it, does it slap. Swan have those like nice S turns at the end of it? <clears throat> yeah. 
Very nice. But the roads were awesome. And then we went on one of my favorite roads, which is Gazos Creek. And Gazos Creek starts out as another tight twisty road where you're going around a corner and it's basically a single lane you don't know if a car's coming so you're it's you're always kind of like sketching out but then suddenly it opens up all of a sudden into a two lane sweeping turn through these low slow like rolling hills and farms and i told jim we pulled over i said just, just so you know you can go so much faster on this road than you think you can. There are no sharp turns. There are no surprises. It is nice, smooth pavement. There's not a lot of cars. Um, just go for it. It was awesome. I mean, you can. An experienced rider can do flat out 100 through the whole thing. So Yuri and I take off, and Jim was trusting, and he did a great job. Well, I, I you know, I felt like I rode pretty good. It, you know, like I told Liza, things that the things that affect my riding or my speed however you want to look at it is a my lack of ability that's the, the biggest one but beyond that it's um you know driveways and cars parked on the side of the road it's hard to really get yeah. humming past those things and then turns where you just can't see what's around the corner I, i'm the same way i get real cautious when i see cars parked on the side mm-hmm. of the road you yeah. don't know if there's going to be a dog off a leash or a, a bicycle or, or a kid or whatever but up, up on gazos where it was sweeping and open it, we were going that was some of the fastest riding I've done not only like quickness as far as the road but just flat out number of digits popping up on the speedometer that was fast that was fun it was a great ride and then we went up into the hills and just did the long way home through the mountains doing Skyline Boulevard beautiful long just long curvy roads um, wasn't too crowded up there I mean there was a, a lot of traffic but one thing I love about being out here is there were so many cars that pulled off of the road for us mm-hmm. to let us pass and i thought you know we're really fortunate that we have these not only do we have these amazing roads but we have a lot of people in cars who know that we're out there and know the routine mm-hmm. yeah and they pull over and wave you by and it's so nice like i was really trying not to be a dick and riding their ass and trying to pass on a double yellow but uh, you did well, a few times. So usually I'd kind of hang back and just but, I mean, that's be the patient and do. wait. Yeah, it's not and, dangerous. And the, just... a lot of people just pulled over, and that was really great to see that happen. I've, I've noticed more and more that just with lane splitting also. I think we're fortunate out here that people are motorcycle aware to a certain extent. And, and for me, it was um, an interesting ride because Yuri was hanging back with Jim a lot, but then every now and then he'd just suddenly charge up on his leader bike, and I'd, I'm checking in my mirror because I'm leading. Every, you know, you check, and suddenly I can't see Yuri, and then he's like, oh, on my ass or on my elbow. Yeah. Now I know what Charlie feels like when I'm behind him. Uh, well, he's on the Ninja you 1000. Wanna, you want to go again? <laughs> <laughs> but I remember there was that, that one point where we're coming up to one, and there was a guy on, uh, what was he writing? The guy? Um, oh, I don't know. It was some another quick uh, sport bike, and he was kind of, he joined us for a minute, and then the first chance he'd get, he kind of blew past us, and as he's going past us, Yuri was behind me as well and i'm like i wonder if yuri gets like a pavlovian response when someone does that and just as i say that the guy went past me and then yuri <laughs> right past me too and you could tell yuri was wanted to go yuri was using us as cruise control <laughs> that's what he was he was not right, passing us that was i that's what i think yeah um there was one time where i, I like decided i i kind of um swung wide left to look into my right mirror to just check on everyone and that was right when yuri had decided to pass me on the left so suddenly just like right past my elbow almost grazed me just fling past me across the double yellow but 
I never really felt in danger because he's a racer. Yeah, I think he sees he's you in He's used slow to motion. riding close, and when he's behind yeah. somebody, he he was riding behind me enough. He knew how my riding style was, and I know he can he sized me up and knew how to maneuver around. So even though it was sketchy having him like so close or you know right. flying past me. I knew I was fine because he knew how to handle it. Yeah, and it was fun, too, riding behind him because, you know, when we went on those curves, I, could, I would be behind him for about a turn before I lost him. But um, but it was cool riding behind him and watching, watching him set up for turns and the lines he picks and his body position and, and be able to be like, wow, okay, that's what it looks like when someone really knows what they're doing. And then we took advantage of being out on the roads with a racer and had Yuri start giving tips it to was, Jim. It was super cool, you know. That was really good for someone that can ride like Yuri and 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 all the cool stuff he does. He's one of the nicest, most patient, down to earth people I've met, and very generous. You know, very understanding. So yeah, we pulled over on what? Where was that? Where were we coming down? I forget. What road was that, Liza? We were coming down. Uh, Doesn't matter. So hmm. we pull over and. Uh, Liza's like, oh, hey, nine, help Jim get a clue, whatever, yeah, and yeah, yeah. Uh, in your loving way, as always. But yeah, we spent like 10 minutes, and uh, Yuri kind of walked me through his process of how he sets up for turns, and you know, where's he, where he's looking, and body, you know, how he starts his body position. So it was, you know, kind of cool to get an on-the-spot lesson like that. Um, yeah, from Yuri. So shout out to Yuri; he's awesome. Yeah, it was a great ride, and I got to test out my new helmet. Feast your eyes upon this. It's the Halo edition. Oh, that is all, that is all okay. Let me tell you what fantastic. I got here. Let me tell you what I got. Let me. Uh, so, did so. you get that directly from the KTM dealer, or no, no, no? <laughs> so, I got the new Scorpion AT950, and here's what I love about it: because I have my modular helmets, and I have my like ADV and dirt helmets, and this is the first modular ADV helmet. Pop. pop. <clears throat> wow. But wait, cool. there's more. Um, it has the anti-fog screen, and it also has the drop-down uh, sunshield inside. So basically, it's wow. the it's best of all of my helmets in one. Liza, that is a transformer everything. for your head. It looks like Optimus <laughs> Prime. It, but yes. she li- it's gadgety. That's yeah, why she no, likes exactly. it. It's gadgety. It's g- that's all it's about. It's not about the protection. It's a gadgety. It does There's lots of buttons <clears throat> to press. It's a Swiss noise. Army helmet. Yeah. Exactly. Well, you know, I have a lot of the built helmets, which I think are good for trying something out. But I needed a new helmet as my long distance, my daily, my good helmet. And the built ones don't stand up. I have things that go wrong or I can't get the latch undone when I'm trying to flip it up. Or sometimes I can't get it to lock. And I have to sit there and keep slamming it shut while I'm riding. It's a cheaper helmet. It's It's a cheap helmet. It's an entry-level helmet. You get it. Okay, do we like motorcycling? Great. Now you get a decent helmet. Right. But uh, you have to try it with the sun visor off because at what speed did your head almost vibrate off? So I was testing it out because it says... So it comes with the the sun visor, like on an ADV helmet. And... um, um, it says here, I'll pass it around if you guys want to check it out. Um, it says that you can take off that visor for like freeway speed. So I was thinking like at maybe 80, it might cause buffeting. Um, no, it was good up to 115 miles an hour. That's when my head shook so violently, everything went blurry. I couldn't see anymore. How's the noise? Um, I'm not somebody who notices noise, so I think it's quieter than my other helmets. When you put it on, it like seals your head in pretty tight. Um but I like the quality, and I think this is about a $300 helmet. It wasn't a lot. Right. But it's a really great modular ADV helmet. And, and Scorpion uh, makes good helmets. I mean, you know what I mean? If you're not going to drop five, six, seven, eight hundred bucks on a helmet, they're good. Exactly. They're a good mid range helmet. Yeah. 
I would say, though, that I tried their first uh, flip up flip face helmet uh, when it came out several years ago, mm-hmm. and I was not impressed with it. It was very loud. So hopefully they have refined the design a bit with this one so that it's much quieter. I mean, the, the first one I tried was just, it was unbearably loud at freeway speed so much I had to just take it back right away because I just, I couldn't even ride with it. Um, I also wanted to announce uh, we had a nomination for Idiot of the Week. Uh, we had a couple Uh-oh. nominations. Yes, I'm, I'm one of them, darling. Uh, how did you get nominated? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> just, just general idiot. Just getting out of bed. Okay. Fucking breathing and falling so, out of bed. Showing up here every week. Yeah, there you go. That's it. So Charlie got nominated because he didn't know it, but he was spotted this morning. He got pulled over. Again? Well, I, I was lane splitting, and I passed the motorcycle cop, and I took a right, and then I went down the hill or whatever, and I went into the bicycle lane because traffic was basically stopped and then I yeah. looked at my mirror and Wait. the cop was right there. Well, you want a bicycle, yeah. darling? Yes. You weren't. You it's, weren't got, it's got two wheels. Okay. No, that's why it says, bi- you it says bike lane. It doesn't say bicycle lane, okay? Okay. There's a huge confusion there. I passed a bicycle <laughs> I passed a bicycle cop in front of the police station this afternoon naked. He didn't even notice me. Ah. So, did no. you get a performance award or what? No, he just gave me a verbal warning. Ah. Okay. So... That got him the nomination. I asked him how he liked his However. Bike. Not the winner. Did he like it? The winner today. Yeah. And I say this not knowing her condition. But none, of, oh, none of us boy. know her condition right now. I, I do have an update. So Kat wins the Idiot of the Day Award, sadly, because she crashed mm-hmm. today. We love you, Kat. Um, so just to give uh, an update. Stack so I want to explain. We normally... Normally, praise about the right gear. Gear is very important. At GAT. For the type of riding we are doing, it's we wear gear. Yep. With the exception of occasions like the naked, naked ride. ride. And right. you ride accordingly. Yes. Um, so yeah. there was the naked a... Naked ride's pretty controlled, too. There's a lot of stop blockers. Right. Yeah. So there was a squid ride today. This is something mm-hmm. new. So squid ride, because it was so hot, everyone was in like shorts and tank tops. They decided to do a quick ride up the coastline and just to describe this isn't a highway this is a you know a wavy road that does about 20 miles an hour with a lot of tourists and cars looking at the view um and just ride along the coast and look at the view and it's pretty so a bunch of people went up there just threw helmets on and were wearing bare bare necessities Including, including Emma. Well, the one dude had oh, a, gosh, yeah. the one dude had a towel wrapped around him like Superman. Yeah, <laughs> and to do a nice casual ride, which unfortunately there was a situation that happened that caused Cat to go down. This is still low speed, um, but because she wasn't wearing a lot of gear, she suffered a lot of road rash, and she's at the hospital right now. She might have broken bones, and there may be yeah, there's something internal that's not right so right. she may have broken bones and this is someone who broke her kneecap earlier this year right yeah. so um here's a motorcycle and misfits top tip wear your fucking gear all the time and all it, the time every time yep. on a skit on a squid ride wear the gear mm-hmm. if it's too hot you can get gear that vents well 
It might yeah. not protect you well, as well, but it uh, protects I'll you I'll just better. say, I think that everyone, including Kat, who went on the ride, was aware of the risk they were right. taking doing so. And nobody was... They weren't. It wasn't a hooligan ride. No, no, not at all. But It was supposed to be a slow, easy ride, mm. but sometimes things go wrong. And so, unfortunately, um, anyone who went on that ride took that risk. And right. um, so she's at the hospital. And my idea of a large afternoon is not... Kneeling in the street next to my injured friend whose arms and legs look like cooked spam. So... She's going to be okay. But yep. she's she's awake, she's talking, she's and, moving. And, you know, Kat's pretty badass. Um, but she's Kat's in a lot badass. of pain, so yeah. they're trying to figure out what's going on. It's more pain. I've had a lot of road rash, and that's just stinging and uncomfortable. She's in an extreme amount of pain, which has apparently has gone up. So they're really trying to find out what's going on. Mm. There's something wrong. Right. Uh, so, Kat, we hope you're doing okay. We love you, Kat. Love you, girl. Get I well know soon. you're a trooper, and you'll be fine. The bike's in not that bad of shape. Yeah, bike's pretty good. No, it's low-speed stuff. Yeah. But, you know, Kat is... Kat's extremely badass, but she's tiny. Yeah. And Did she, she broke the bike's fall, right? Re, uh, alas, yes. Oh, yeah, no. so the, the bike's doing pretty yeah. good. But uh, her slider fell off, too, so yeah. right. the slider yeah, took some that. of it. Hmm. Um so yeah we'll, we'll have an update for that also I just want to say hey quick announcement uh, thanks to uh, City Bike Magazine um, I got a little article in there a little get to know Eliza and also they posted our are you a real biker quiz oh, which I'm yeah. sure <laughs> is going to piss people off <laughs> sure. is it an altered version of your quiz or the same quiz it is the, the same, same quiz I thought nice. of another question do you have a motorcycle magazine in your bathroom <laughs> mm. uh, Somebody left one in my bathroom. I'm a little disturbed by I, that. I use toilet paper in mine, darling. Because <laughs> <laughs> the motorcycle magazines are too glossy. Yeah, but when Rossi's right up, kind of rough. Yeah, somewhere crinkle them up first. So, hey, I want to get into our topic um, tonight. But we have a guest who's joining us for this topic. I wanted to introduce first, and we'll get into it. Hey, with us tonight, we have Ted Kettler from the Motorcycle Men podcast. Ted, are you there? My hair hurts. (laughs) (laughs) Ted, what's up? Ted! What's up, kids? It's the East Coast, West Coast thing. This is it. Like Tupac and It's a big slowdown right now. You know, I'm, I'm just thrilled by the technology of this. This is high tech. It's fascinating. It is fascinating. It only took us about three seconds to get a penis into the video, too. Yeah, I know. Excellent. <laughs> Descending. You know, I, have to, I have to say, Emma, you sound like my grandmother. Ooh, hello. And, and that's a compliment, by the way. Okay, thank you. Thank you, Ted. And Ted, our guests here, uh, Jim and Kathy, they're out here from New Jersey also. I asked them if they know you, and they don't. Hi, Ted. Uh, Where in New Jersey are they from? Madison. Did you hear that from Madison? Madison. Uh, yes, I did hear that, oh, and I know where it, that is, and I'm sorry. Oh, <laughs> oh no. <laughs> uh, so I want to do, um, say that, you know, the Motorcycle Men is one of the motorcycle podcasts that I've started listening to. Um, the thing I like about it is, it, it, Ted, is it fair to say this is a Harley-centric podcast? Yeah, okay, I'll let you have that. But they're also very fair and not douchebaggy like... We are some other like we are. <laughs> yeah. I guess. Oh, we try um, not to be. 
No, you know what I appreciate? You're not judgy about other types of writing. You're seem no, to be curious. You're curious. Look, uh, our, 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 our thing is, is if you twist the throttle and ride a bike, uh, you're, you're, you're okay, okay by us. Right on, Ted. That's where right it's on. at. Though, I'm going to give it. you shit because you guys have been talking for a while about doing an iron butt. And yeah, iron no, butt on a Harley, I have, hello. I have been talking about doing it. Not my brothers and me. How hard is it to do an iron butt on a Harley? Come on. Easy. Get on a bike and you go. Right. I just got to find the time to Talk do it. To That's it. Yeah, Mike, well, Mike Corbin just went to Sturgis on a bike a couple of months ago from here. Yes, yeah, Mike Corbin went on his Sturgis <laughs> there. That is bike the other I see. Are you talking, <laughs> don't blaspheme Mike Corbin. <laughs> <laughs> no, I got to tell you, I mean, the Harleys I've ridden are comfortable bikes. I mean, there are there are a lot yeah. of things. But, you know, it's a couch. I mean, That's right. we, yeah, and? Know, we hop on a bike and, like, yeah. we'll go do, like, a five 500 mile ride just for lunch and you're talking about oh, i gotta find the time <laughs> yeah, to look do at, an iron bike. look at all those <laughs> come on look at all those guitars look at all those guitars in the background how if you didn't have a couch how could you is 500 miles away um but so let's tell tell our listeners a little bit about your podcast how long have you been doing it uh, we are in nearing the. Uh, we're about mid in our second year. Uh, it's myself as the host and my brothers Tim and Chris as my co-hosts. And oh, I just want to say, if you use yes. any of your sound effects on my podcast, I'm going to edit it out. <laughs> <laughs> I promise you, I will not. I hate those squeaky things. <laughs> That's why we do it. <laughs> and it's also been, all, all the time you've been talking about trying to find the squeak in your bike and taking it to the Harley shop to get it fixed, and oh, it comes back no. with a squeak, and I'm like, oh my god. I <laughs> I know where I, I know what it is. I know what the problem is. It's the hamster. It's, it's the hamster in the wheel. <laughs> <laughs> I've been told many things. You got one of them cricket belts, don't you? Dang! I do. Yes, I do. Yeah. <laughs> yep. It's a new pulley and a new belt. That's what I need. Okay. Uh, yeah. And how many miles on this bike? Uh, forty-three thousand. Wow! All right. I have I have put on twenty-six thousand in the two years that I've owned it. What kind of bike are you riding? I am riding a two thousand three hundredth anniversary uh, Harley Davidson uh, Heritage Softail Classic. I'm sorry, I meant what color bike are you riding? Because we have no idea what you're saying. Black and silver. It's black oh, and silver. Oh, the black and silver one. I know that one. Oh yeah, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. That's what I got. <laughs> no, the, 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 if, if I'm right, Ted, the Heritage Softail Classic yes. is the truest to. The original electric light, it's got the wire spoke wheels, heavy fenders, that kind of stuff. Yes. Yes. Absolutely right. Right, so it's it looks actually, like a Harley. Emma, if you really want to go even more classic than that, the original is actually based on the Harley Deluxe, the Softail Deluxe. Okay. That doesn't have the windshield or the bags. Okay. Very good. Okay, so go. Ted, we have you on our podcast tonight. To be the sole Harley owner. (laughs) (laughs) All right. (laughs) To talk about my the topic I wanted to talk about tonight. This is what what I'm calling it: the upcoming death of Harley, as I predict. Uh, You've been watching too much TV, right? (laughs) So here's the deal, and uh, we forgot the the second title to the podcast. What what is that? The blank of motorcycle companies. Oh, we'll get to that. We'll get to. Oh yeah. Harley Davidson is the cockroach of motorcycle companies. <laughs> oh, now, now, now. They have they keep... survived so yes. many eras of competition 
They are. Yeah. That's a, that yeah. was a positive thing. Yeah, right. so I'll give you right. You're right. People don't get my my compliments. <laughs> it was a grand compliment. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but Harley does have the knack for hanging around. You got to admit that. That's right. Yes. So here's my opinion, uh, and anyone can jump in. I feel like. Um, you know, we've been talking a lot about the electric bikes and yeah. how they are eventually going to, I think, I know we say wipe out the gas bikes, but there's always going to people be people hanging on to them. Just like there's still some people riding old crockers or Indians or, you know, but. Um, for the most part, for the everyday, every every person bike, I think electrics are going to take it over. And I was wondering how Harley would survive that. And I started thinking about it. Well, um, we'll retouch on these. But I was thinking, you know, there was a big competition with Indian. And at one time, if we're talking 100 years ago, Emma, there was, what, like 100 American motorcycle oh, companies? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And well, somehow sure. Harley survived that. Right. They came out the winner. Not somehow. We'll get into it. Yeah. <clears throat> then there was a point where all the um, the British and the European and Italian bikes came in. And, and make no mistake, in the 40s and 50s, there were at least 100 British manufacturers. Yeah. And they've all gone. The Triumph mm-hmm. we have now, you see, originally I could have argued, well, Triumph predates Harley Davidson. And in reality, mm. it does, but Triumph is not the Triumph that it was. Harley is the same company. The current Triumph is not the Triumph that was founded in 1901. Right. It's the same it'd be safer right. so, for Indian. Yeah, it's same said for Indian. There was a break. So all these manufacturers have gone. They've all gone. And Harley survives. Well, and Harley you know, has a huge share of the market. Not only do they survive, but they sell a ton of... Maybe it's not what they used to be, and we'll talk more about that, but they still yeah. sell a ton of motorcycles oh, worldwide, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. A ton of oh, yeah. motorcycles. So then there was the Japanese invasion, mm-hmm. and they survived that. So, <clears throat> but here's what's going on. When you look at in the last two decades. Um, The way I see it is we had the most progressive performance bike that Harley came out with that they designed with Porsche, which was the V-Rod. Yeah. What happened to the V-Rod, Ted? Uh, Well, uh, the rumors have it they're ceasing production of the V-Rod in October of 2017. That was one of the most performance-oriented. Okay. Um, They... Uh, they they partnered with Buell. There was Buell. Hey, Ted, how did the Harley community accept the Buell sport bikes? Uh, may I introduce you to Eric Buell Racing? <clears throat> exactly. Um, now you've got the Street 750 and the Street 500, which is their attempt at making a better intro bike for the young crowd. How yes. is that being accepted by the Harley community? Uh, well, to tell you, it was the uh, number one selling Harley-Davidson for the first quarter of 2016. But do you wave at them? I wave at everybody. <laughs> um, yeah. Even Can-Am riders. Okay. Yeah. But. <gasps> hold on. No. You have to draw the line. Pick, you pick your team, dude. Um, <laughs> next thing you're going to tell me, you wave at scooters. Hey, now. Uh, I have by accident. (laughs) Okay. Um, No, you say that they're selling well, but that wasn't the question. The question was, does the Harley community accept them? Um, 
Is it uh, a with real one eye Harley? closed? Okay. Okay. So it's like the it's like the uh, like the V Rod. It's not a real Harley. Uh, people accept the V-Rod far more than you think. It's uh, uh, right. the seven. I think the thing about the 500 and 750 that turns people off is that the design isn't true to what other Harley Davidsons are. When I it's, when I first saw when I first saw a street, I I looked at it and I thought it was a shadow. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly I think right. you, we we were together, weren't we, Isaac? Doing in Hollister. Uh, or you saw one before that? No, I, I don't. I don't remember that. I saw one more recently. Okay. Yeah. So and then, was, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. I was just gonna say I think it was written by someone with lovely feet. <laughs> <laughs> Shrimpy. And then, and then you have Harley has announced that they're really trying to move into the future, and they've announced the Livewire sport right. bike, which is a really good looking sport bike. Ted. Yes. How yes. do you predict the Harley community will accept the Livewire? Um, well, the Harley riders that I've talked to about it, they're pretty excited about it. Uh, but generally, I th there's a, a staunch group of supporters who will jump on the bandwagon and say this is the greatest thing since sliced bread. Uh, and then there are there's the group that goes, yeah, but it doesn't have a big twin in it. They wouldn't um, buy one. But I mean, but, uh, but I mean, to a certain extent. Well, maybe your new Harley buyers will, but right. the existing Harley buyers probably, probably won't. Not. Well, I, th I think a lot of Harley buyers, Ted, if I could interject, you know, it's something you look forward sure. to. It's not something you jump out at 19, 18, 19, 20 years old and drop, you know, 18 grand, 20 grand on a bike. So I think when you're a little bit older and financially ready to, to spend the money on a Harley, you have this image in your mind of the big chrome growling badass right. Harley out there, you know what I mean? And well, and I think yes. that the Harley market, you know, relies on that mature kind of buyer that can afford the bigger bikes that that facilitate that lifestyle, that image, right. that 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 all Harley is. Right. Harley it seems like Harleys aren't about performance. It's about something more. We can we can zoom in even closer than that. Because I will argue that one of Harley's more popular models is the exact bike that Ted is riding. And that is a bike that's designed to replicate a 1950s look. Yeah. The most popular bike that Triumph sells right now is the T-100 in Bonneville, which right. is, coincidentally, designed along the right. lines of a 1960s Triumph. So what they're doing they're building in nostalgia to the new bikes mm -hmm. to a time when they were 50s it was all about Harleys 60s it was all about Triumphs and the demographic of people who ride them are mature men and women who look back on those times with nostalgia mm -hmm. so here's, here's my point then my point is I think Harley keeps making attempts <laughs> to come into the modern age and that the Harley community does not accept it and i think the harley community is keeping them in the old ages or right you, call it, you know um and that it, that is going to cause the death of harley so but, well at the same time that's no. what's kept no, harley alive I, don't think so. I mean no. I, that that's what's kept harley alive so let's go into the history let's be fair because harley is the cockroach how have they survived and Will it be that same thing that keeps them going through this next phase? So, 
Jim, you've been studying up on it. So I mentioned uh, the first competition was with Indian. And we, we all know that Indian disappeared, but what happened there? Because Indian was bigger than Harley. Well, I mean, I, th I think the competition during that time was, was the Great Depression. And um, I think right. that was one of the things that really, well, obviously it culled out all the American motorcycle manufacturers. You know, and Harley was able to survive through that time. Well, A, they produced a, way less bikes, but they diversified a little bit, things like that. You know, and then I, I think the, the scramble was on, and maybe Emma could speak more to this, but uh, so they get through the Depression. They actually came out with a bike, I think, in 1934, a flathead. Right. So they were still innovating. Right. They were still making yep. bikes. But I think World War II was really what was going to bail somebody out. Right, exactly. And it wasn't yep. that the Harley had the better contract. Indian just shot themselves in the foot. They had a oh, disastrous yeah. World War II contract. Yeah. They were scrambling. They came out with all kinds of shit designs, including a, like a, a, a V-twin across the frame. Hmm. The just disastrous contra contracts, and they never recovered from it. 1954, was it 54, Ted? It was all over. Uh, if I may, uh, yeah. we did an episode back, uh, I think it was nearly a year ago, we did an episode about uh, motorcycles in, in World War II. Indian actually had more motorcycles in the war than Harley-Davidson did. Right, but the contract was terrible. They didn't make oh, any it was money. Oh, my God, it was garbage. Yeah, yeah but, but yet Harley was selling, what, like 90,000 bikes a year. Right. Yeah, they were it's, making money. It's because of their service that they offered better than Indian. Hmm. And then came AMF. <laughs> oh, yeah. The glory years. Oh, my God. How many podcasts <laughs> have you guys done about crap that? Crap bikes. <laughs> well, uh, but before that, before AMF came, the triumphs the the bsa's um the italian oh. bikes there was a period and uh this is something we saw in the penton documentary um uh, ted i don't know if you've seen the penton john penton documentary it's really cool i did not um so penton was bringing bikes over from europe because at the time he and his brothers who are racers they're racing these big ass harleys and they're doing those kind of races that you're going through like slogs and hills and those and bmws and, too right like big heavy bmws yeah bmws were there and then suddenly they brought over these the early motocross bikes from europe these lightweight bikes that were just skimming through the mud and beating all the harleys and so harley had to kind of reinvent itself and that's when uh that's part of the reason they came out with the sport to compete with these European smaller bikes, um, so they did. They made a mod, you know, made a change, and they survived because of that. Um, mm -hmm. The thing I find that's interesting is that they, uh, if you look at some of the bikes back in that era, like the 40s and 50s, the Harleys started to look like the European bikes, you know, with the little, like, the little, they started looking like Tiger Cubs, or, you know, the little solo saddle, um, Indians too. The Scout kind of looked like that, well, right? Emma, didn't Harley make some small displacement bikes? Oh, yeah. Yeah, like some 125s and 150s. Yeah, that, Sprint. There was yeah. a Sprint. It was it's, one of them. Yeah, they did the... Um, some stuff with BSA, maybe? Yeah, the Hummer. Yeah, the Hummer. There was oh, a yeah. 125, yes. and then they, they got involved, and this was towards the AMF years, with Italian manufacturers. Right, yeah. Um, Air Mackie, mm -hmm. and then uh, Kigiva, the two strokes. The Air Mackies were great bikes. That was a single cylinder, cylinder just four four stroke stuck out straight in front a handsome hmm. bike hmm. um and then the two strokes of the 70s but you know 
Yeah. yeah. But you know, but I think what the Harley keeps going back to and why they survive it's, it's the big um, twins. It's the it's the image. It's it's that big growling, you know, tough image that when you get on it you're a little bit badass and I think people get a kick out of that. I mean, I'll say the same thing, you know, when we ride our bikes, I think, you know, we kind of got a little bit of that in us as well. It's like you know, because fucking it's motorcycling. Jim, I hate to break it to you. <laughs> like you've broken you're, me already. Your bike is not badass. Which one? It's <laughs> it's sweet. It's fun. It's you right. know. It's, no, it's, it's not, well. It's so the juxtapose. Badass. Well, yeah. badass is, is when we hopped on those victories over to Arlen Ness's place. Um, when Arlen Ness asked us, as you remember, would mm-hmm. you like to ride one of my motorcycles? And we said. Hell Maybe, Arlen. Let us think. But yeah, we jumped on a, uh, a victory cross country is what I rode. Mm-hmm. And, but, that was a, I, but you get that feeling, Ted. I mean, you're like, I am king of my jungle. Just a gangster's talking. No. But you feel like, like you feel big. It rumbles. It's pretty badass. It's cool. So the next phase, though, when the Japanese bikes came in, and I found this really interesting because, it, well, but this is also when, like, the... Aramaki and AMF era where they were making really small weird looking European bikes that were badged with Harley. But what I found is interesting, the Japanese came back with their own style. The CB750 does not look like any kind of Harley ever. Yet people started modifying their Japanese bikes to look like a Harley. To Mm -hmm. look like a cruiser. And then (laughs) eventually Hmm. and then eventually the Japanese brands and the Italian, made, made they started making their own cruisers because people wanted yeah. that You style. must never underestimate the influence the film Easy Rider had on biking culture. You That's can't right. underestimate that. Now, in Britain, it was all about cafe racers in the 60s. That meant long aluminum tanks, aluminium tanks, darling. <laughs> aluminium. Um, aluminium. Club, Clubman bars. <laughs> or clip-ons and suddenly in 1969 all these bikes the clip-ons went off the apangers went on mm. long drain pipe silencers uh, mufflers up the back of the bike and you're turning cafe racers into choppers literally overnight you can right. you can look at pictures of british biking culture from like mid 69 onwards and you'll see bikes with the clip-ons still attached and they've just bolted the apangers on and moved all the <laughs> controls up <laughs> you know wow. it it happened that quickly and it all goes down to one film and all those crappy b movies that followed it like hell's angels in love and hell's angels on wheels yeah and badass mm-hmm. biker chicks mm. doing their thing you know but that one film it all goes back to that. It's it's the culture from that film. But here's the thing. So Harley survived through all these eras, sometimes by changing and sometimes by just being different and everyone else changed to be like them. But I really, I don't know, Ted. I don't know how they're going to survive the future. And I think it's now you have uh, Triumph and Ducati are bigger than ever. Um, you have Indian and Victory which really, if you look at the big cruisers now, I think Indian and Victory are doing really cool things. And well, I, actually, yeah, actually, let's hear it. Let's hear it. Actually, 
Um, Victory has reported lower sales between 2014 to 2015 and even this year. The first quarter of this year, their sales are down. Ducati's sales, believe it or not, Honda Motorcycle sells more motorcycles than anybody in the world. Right. I believe yeah. it. Yep. Right? And Harley's is, is a, I want to say, distant second. So, uh, with guys like uh, Indian and Victory, if anybody's going to go away first, it's going to be Victory. Because you don't really hear too much about what they're... Yeah, they got the new Octane out. That's fine. Mm. But all the attention's being focused on Indian. Uh, so Polaris, while they're spending a lot of time and effort uh, pushing Indian, they seem to be really not paying much attention to victory. Harley is doing their very best to focus on what they do. And not so much trying to beat the competition, whereas Indian is trying to beat the competition. So I want to see, does anyone else in this room have an opinion? I know a lot of people in this room, I'm looking at Isaac, Quiet Matt, Charlie, Jim E. You all aren't Harley people. You see them, you're, you're like, you live in another dimension, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we do. I mean, I'd, I'd have fun on one. Well, I'm curious, Ted. Ted, mm-hmm. like, what, what's a typical like? If you guys are gonna do two, three, four hour ride on a Sunday, what what kind yeah. of roads are you guys riding? What's the ride like? Because I think that's really. Uh, we'll hit a there. mixture of uh, slab, and we'll do some two lane back roads, and we'll hit some single lane back roads. I am not afraid to hit dirt or gravel uh, or really poorly paved roads. I am not afraid. I've taken my heritage places you would not believe. I've taken my heritage. <laughs> And, uh, there must but, have been uh, beer at the other end. Right. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, when we did our high point ride this year, uh, I had us on some very poorly paved roads. I got a lot of hell for it, but everybody still enjoyed the ride. And we were out for a good six hours that day. And we covered uh, a little over a little over 275 miles in the day. So we've that's, done a lot of good stuff. That's a long way on um, rough roads. I would... Yeah. I would say, as as somebody who who doesn't, I, I have never ridden a Harley. I would love to, um, but I guess I'm not that down on Harleys anymore. I was in the beginning because one of the first things I heard was, "Oh, Harleys are like super unreliable." Like I'd I'd no, I'd be riding around and I'd like come up to guys at no, gas stations. No, they start every time. Totally they just true. squeak a lot. <laughs> so, so like that was the it's reputation fun. that I heard right off the bat, and nope. and that's not true. I, okay, yeah. but, but that, Ted. That depends. Yes. The dentists are dying off. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. I'm not a dentist. <laughs> um, what's the average age of a Harley rider now? <laughs> um, it, wow, geez. Go ahead. Hard to say. You know. Okay, look. You know. Um, like I'm in, my, I'm, I'm in my 50s. My brother's in his 50s. My yeah. other brother's in his yeah. 40s. So, yeah, we're 30s and up. And what, yeah. what I'm yeah. thinking is, is Harley actually has a great opportunity right now, not to reinvent itself, but to leverage who Harley is. What I see around here, Ted, I don't know if you guys get it out there, is there this big rush back to the early 70s. You know, we got people out here that are wearing the denim, you know, the denim vests, wearing the chop, yep. you know, riding the, the, the you know, very uh, customized choppers, you know, low, yep. low brow style, drinking Paps Blue Ribbon. And <laughs> I, no, I'm serious. Sorry. I mean, it's like this whole sub culture out here this right. lowbrow subculture and yeah. i think that that that's the you know and they're all in their 20s and early 30s those are the people who you have to capture their harley imagination so that when they do turn 40 they can drop the money on a new harley i think but i think right now is a great time for harley to I, to, to do that 
Sure. You got the, you know, see, people out there, you have to decide if you're going to be a Harley rider, if you want to get a Harley, you got to decide what kind of Harley rider you're going to be. Do you want somebody who's going to just sit on the couch and go for a long ride and be comfortable? Or do you want to get out there and have fun? And you can have fun on a Harley. I'm telling you, one of the funnest bikes that I've ridden lately is the uh, new Harley, uh, the Sports the Roadster. That is a super fun bike. And if you've never had the chance to ride one, do yourself a favor and go take one out. What? The bike is lightweight and 1200 It's a fast so bike. It's what's possible. the price on this bike? Eleven grand. Okay. Emma, for eleven grand, can you get a... Well, you can certainly get a Ducati Scrambler. You get three bandits. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know, the, the prices are creeping up now. If you want an R1... Yeah. We've got our ones right now, and we're doing them on special 15 grand out the door. So that's your top-of-the-line sport bike. For a bandit, it's about nine. So, Ted, my point is the, the yeah. other problem, too, and I think the reason that they brought out the street bikes is to make an affordable bike because they're not right. getting the young riders. The older riders who can afford it... Right. They're the ones who are soaking up this whole image. Yeah, we're cool. And I, I trust me, I've I've owned Harleys. I get it. You do feel cool. There is something about riding it. It just makes you feel cool. It is a fun experience. But you're not getting the new riders, and you think you're pricing out the new riders. Because for the same money, you can go get an Italian or a Japanese right. or a high-end performance bike. So... You know, they come out with the, the Street 750 and Street 500. So let me tell you a story. I found this funny. I don't okay. remember if I mentioned this, but so we had a guy come last week on a Street 750, and I asked him, I said, how does the Harley community accept you? And he says, oh, fine. It's the Street 500 guys that we don't wave at. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, okay, I see how it's it not, is. It's not the point that you can buy more performance for your money. You don't buy a V45 push rod V-twin, you know, for performance. Okay, well, let's look at... I mean, it's at, not the point, you know what I mean? I don't know about that. But let's look at Triumph. I was using this oh, as wait, an example. Oh, wait, no, I got a leader bike Ducati. It's a yeah. V90 Desmodromic, yeah. and it's only a two-valver. You know, and that thing runs circles around pretty much any Harley out there. But that's why I have that bike. Now, if I want the sound of a Harley, the sound... A V90 sounds a lot different than a V45. The tone is different. The sound is different. Harley has that niche, the V45 push rod. It's an antique, underperforming motor. You know, horsepower for horsepower. <laughs> that motor put against another motor of a modern design. Overhead cam, et cetera, et cetera. Fuel injected, la, la, la. You know, oh. pound, pound for pound, the V45 is an antique. But that's the selling point. I don't think the motor is the problem. And I know Harley just came out with this brand new spanking hot shit motor. However... Yep. Milwaukee 8. How is the suspension and braking on those bikes? This is oh, what dude. I don't get. Oh, I, I just <clears throat> rode nine of them. This is what I don't get. I think that the motors are tits. They're, uh, they no. crank out some power. They're fun. But oh, you yeah. don't have the agility or handling to go with it. So you build a straight yeah. line. Well, no, wait, well, no, hang on. Hang on, Liza. You've got to compare apples with uh. apples. There's no point in comparing a Harley to a Ducati or an R1 because it's a different bike no totally different. What? Yeah, like no 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 wait a minute you'll see where I'm going it's with different it purpose, different you purpose you need okay. to compare a Harley with a Vulcan 1500 there you go with a Boulevard whatever the hell it is VTX right. a how's, VTX how's the handling on Mike's yep. VTX right exactly right. Mike's, yeah 
Mike's VTX handles like a Harley. Um, you know, right. that's how they are. Big crew. It's a big cruiser. But if people are wanting that retro-inspired thing, and I think this is why a lot of people are sticking with Harley, right? Let's take a look at Triumph, who has done a great job resurrecting the Bonneville. And right. has made mm-hmm. a vintage-looking bike that actually performs really well. And you get a lot of these Triumph fans who love Triumph. On the other hand, Triumph has also come out with these sport bikes. <coughs> speed triples, street triples. And these are balls-out sport bikes. So this company has successfully come up with a, a vintage line, which would right. be like similar to a Harley Cruiser. And it's a similar demographic who they're aiming for. Right. They're aiming for the 30, 40, 50 year olds who look back very nostalgically maybe been away from bikes for a while (laughs) while the wife was nagging and the kids were at home and so on and so forth. Well guess what? Now they can come back to biking. Well they had a Triumph when they were in their teens and twenties let's get another one. They had a Harley when they were in their teens and twenties let's get another one. You know it's funny one difference I see there with the Harleys is like you know over the hill in Silicon Valley I see the the new retro Triumphs it's always these young dot commers. Um, Well it's a very hip bike. It's a very hip bike. Same with the Ducati Scramblers that's why there's like 12 different versions of the Scrambler. Same it's always the same dot com dude with the expensive brown boots and the little baggy the little messenger bag. Well, he doesn't want to buy a Harley. But but the thing is, is those are the two I see in that demographic. I don't see yes. the 36-year-old um, hipster yeah. buying the, the Harley. Did you, did you read the new hipster Bible, Food I Have Photographed? <laughs> <laughs> but, but to some extent, why do I want to buy build a bunch of inexpensive motorcycles to sell with kids with no money when I can build really nice, top-of-the-line bikes to sell to career professionals who have coins? Because those kids turn into dentists with money. Right. Right. You want to be okay. cool. But I think, I, I think that market's always going to be there. It boils down to two things. There's two things. Um, diversification and capitalization. Now, you have most of your motorcycle companies are diversifying because they want to appeal to everybody, and they're trying to grab everybody. Whereas Harley-Davidson has said, you know what? We're just going to capitalize on what we do well. Right. This is right. our thing. Right. This is where we're going to stick to. Yeah, we might venture right. outside of it, but you know what? We do what we do well, and we're going to stick to it. So the, the Har- I'm okay with that. The Harley Owners Group, uh, are you guys involved with that? I am, yes. And so are there, how do you, you know, do those numbers stay pretty steady? I don't know. I'm just kind of curious, because I think that'd be a good indicator of the health of the, uh, the You know, I, I, I can, can honestly say that I don't know true numbers, right. but uh, the Harley Owners Group is pretty large. Uh, are you guys still doing do bikini bike washes? I'm sorry, say again? Right. The, the Harley Owners Group does an incredibly great job of getting the guys on the Harleys, organized, oh, yeah. get out there. Oh, and right. it's, a, it's the most amazing marketing thing I've ever seen. You know, they really, really get people into it. Uh, so here's the thing, though. I'm a fan. We had uh, another friend of ours, uh, Michael, who's a Harley owner, who was here today, and I was having this conversation with him. And... <clears throat> I was saying it's the I think it's the Harley community that isn't supporting the new technology and letting them evolve. And he said, "No, it's Harley. Harley's not coming out with, you know, new technology and evolving." And we realized it was like, what came first, the chicken or the egg? Right. Hmm. Yeah. But I think you can go kind of historically, and, and 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 Harley's, you know, in the beginning, Harley was incredibly innovative. But I think there's over time you can see where they've tried to innovate, and they're the Harley people are like, yeah, we don't want that. Build what we want. Yeah. And we'll buy that. Ted, can I ask you something? Yes, dear. What do you think 
Ted's motorcycle in 10 years is going to look like? Is it going to look like your Heritage Softail, maybe with water cooling? Or is it going to look like a live wire? That's a good question. Um, I think it's going to be continue to be a 45 degree uh, V twin, but they're going to have be, to clean it up. It's going to be it's going to be water cooled. Yes. Yeah. Um, God, you know, at, at, there's going to be more horsepower. They, how much bigger can they possibly get? Right. Uh, I mean, we're looking at 114 right now as the top end. Uh, really, how much bigger can they? How much horsepower do they really need? Look, in 10 years. All of our bikes might be a totally different thing. Right, uh, and we I, might not be. We, we all might not be riding the same kind of mo- motorcycle as we know it today. True. Uh, will it be the live wire? Well, Harley Davidson says they're going to be having that thing out on the market in five years. Uh, to what capacity? Nobody knows. Okay. They're not saying. All right, so I'm going to hit you with a whammy. Would you say then Harley is going to survive because they're not selling motorcycles so much as they're selling a lifestyle? Yes, I'll tell you why Harley's going to survive. There is no other motorcycle company on the planet that has such a loyalty base as Harley-Davidson. Their brand loyalty is a huge thing. Now, Harley-Davidson may just go on in 20 years to be the largest clothing retailer in the world, but it's still Harley-Davidson, and that's what people's going to stick to. Uh, Harley-Davidson is going to be around for a long, long time, and it would be a bad thing, and Emma, you might agree, it'll be a bad thing if Harley goes away for the entire motorcycle community. Oh, I agree. I, I couldn't agree more. I don't want to come across as the, the, this huge Harley advocate, but no, I, understand I understand the importance of the piece in the jigsaw puzzle. Yeah. But we have to remember that you have Indian and Victory who are making bold moves, and they have a lot of money behind them. But I think there's go- there's going to be room in that segment for everyone. <clears throat> I really do. Okay, so I, I think I know what the answer is, Ted, but let's just find out. So uh, this recent fine that Harley is getting because of the whole Screaming Eagle thing. Bad Harley. Yeah. Uh, is this it's... going to hurt them? No, I don't think so. I think they'll they'll take the slap on the hand. They'll they'll pay the fine, and then they'll keep going. And all the Harley Davidson owners and fans will go, "Yeah, it's a bunch of crap, and big deal." And let me go buy a bike, and let me put my race pipes on there. Well, you know, it, I got to tell you, it kind of dovetails in with a badass image a little bit, right? You know, mm-hmm. it, yeah. it it kind of dovetails in with the image. Yeah. So we sell loud, loud pipes, and so what? So yeah. like, I wonder, the, like, does the value go up of that stuff now? If you can probably hang on to it and be like, I'm I'll tell you what, out of my cold, a, dead hands. I've got a pair of uh, Harley Davidson Screaming Eagle 2 uh, mufflers that I'm willing to get rid of right now at a good price. Okay, well, you know, how many listeners do we have these days, Liza? Mm-hmm. Well, they're definitely legal in California. Well, more than one. Yeah. <laughs> nope, there they go. <laughs> Sold. Right. <laughs> well, yeah, I, 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 I'm starting to see your point that they're, you know, it's the lifestyle you're, that they're selling. But let me tell you, I did have a brilliant idea today. Oh dear. That I think will save Harley, even though according to everyone else, Harley isn't in danger. However. <laughs> I think it's I think it's pretty brilliant. Oh, we're waiting. So you you guys know what the rarest kind of Harley is, right? No. Uh, Ted, rarest rarest Harley. The, the rarest Harley. The rarest Harley. Uh, 
No, the one that I don't own yet? I, I don't know. The, one, the one that's written to a, a show? You guys. A st- oh, funny. Oh, funny. Oh, a, st- oh. a stock Harley. That's the rarest, a stock Harley. Right. So uh, I had an idea because talking with <laughs> talking with Michael today, because he, he was saying how um, he really wanted to get a Harley, but he also rides performance bikes, and now he's wanting to put like a Ducati front end on and do all these modifications and changes. And that's pretty much what everyone does. They t- get, take it out the door and they do all these modifications and make it their own. Okay. For any of you uh, who have ordered a pizza from Domino's, have you guys done the pizza builder online? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Where you go online and you get to click on what size you want. And then you click on what kind of sauce. Okay. And then you click on I know what where you're going with this. And right. suddenly I'm like, yeah, I want spinach. Yeah, and chicken. Ooh, I want the white sauce. Suddenly I built myself a $28 <laughs> medium pizza, you know. Yes. But I was thinking, what, you know, if Harley did this. Build a bike Where like you that. could choose your frame. You could choose your suspension. You could choose your wheels. You could choose your tank. And you can build a bike online. Don't wow. you think that'd be kind of cool? Uh, that would be very expensive. Well, but here's the thing. Like Michael was saying, oh, yeah, the biker guy has got a great engine, but really shitty suspension. So first thing I do is I replace suspension. I said, what if you could design the bike and order it yourself and you can pick and choose because I think the reason that they cut back on these things is they have a price point they want to make and just like when I was looking at the FZ09 I said this right. is a really cool bike however god this is a crappy suspension and I don't well, want to buy a brand new bike and have to put new suspension on let's go back to the Bonneville it's a great bike but everybody bitches how cheap the suspension is right. because it's mm-hmm. built down to a price and they cut the corners on the suspension well, how many people are actually out riding the suspension, though? Right, exactly. Well, so it was a smart way to go. Well, that's yes. why I thought if you had the option, you could do a build a bike. Right. And if you want a better suspension, you can pay but more. But for those people that it. upgraded the suspension, they will all say that they would have paid for it up front. Um, and this yes. brings to mind when the new water cooled BMW GS1200 came out, you could pre order them, get a number for the factory, track its progress online through the manufacturing fa- fa- factory, then track it as it got in a container and came across and people tracked them as they got in containers and came across the US and came to the shippers there were a large number of people who pre-ordered and did this thing and BMW offered this service you know your bike is being built at this stage of assembly there's no reason Harley couldn't do that you know? oh, no. that's so great. Ted great I give you permission oh, yeah. to take that to your people Absolutely. I will do that. Thank you. Free of charge. Yeah, take it to your leader. Take it to your leader, Ted. So I just want to go around. Does anyone else think that Harleys are antiquated and aren't going to survive? Because you guys ride modern sport bikes. Do you think that these are old geezers riding old bikes. They're going to survive because they are <laughs> Sorry, an- antiquated. So, but, I mean, that's why they're hey. surviving because they're. Yeah, you're half. I'm right here, you know. Yeah, <laughs> so, you're, um, you're half right, Liza. They are antiquated, and I agree with that. But they are going to survive, so I disagree that they're going to go by the wayside. I want to see, like, Bagel, what do you think? Well, I don't know if I'm really the one to, to have much input. I, I rode a Harley once, um, and it nearly killed me. So, Well, I want the in, input of people who are just <laughs> passing judgment and really know uh, nothing about it. I mean, I, I have a feeling that they most likely will be around for a while. Um, you know, there, there is a, a possibility that this whole squawking chicken deal might you know, put a big dent in their business. Squawking chicken. But, you know, 
know, but I they, they they are such an iconic brand and have such a wide, broad appeal, popular popularity wise. I, I, I find it very hard to imagine that Harley would actually fold and go under completely. I no. mean, I, I think that they, they are going to need to innovate at some point, especially with the pressure of emissions in now and in the future getting worse. Um, I, I also would really like to see them get into the electric world. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the, the, the prototype that they built was, was pretty cool looking, but I, I think they... You know, in the interest of, of surviving, they are going to need to embrace that in the future, and there there may be a market for electric cruisers. Who who knows? So, be, well, we didn't say electric cruisers. The Livewire is Why a not? sport bike. Why not? But, well, yeah, but that's what I'm saying. That's that's their bread and butter. Why, butter is cruisers. Why not? Because it has to be. Why light, not? It has to be lightweight, and that is not something. Well, hey, they do, there is not a single scale in a Harley. Factory. Well, hang on a second. There's a lot of weight in the batteries, and if they place them in in the right area, that can make a very nice cruiser. I imagine. So, Bagel, when they come out with the the electric scooters that rival your loved Vespas, are you going to switch to electric? Oh, hell yeah. I'm okay. chomping at the bit for an electric scooter that's uh, actually rideable. Charlie, Jim, Quiet Matt, when they come out with electric bikes that rival the gas bike that you're riding, are you think you're going to move the sw- make the switch? I'd, I'd be tempted just because it's easier to control the power band in extreme situations. Jim? It's uh, it's gonna be for me. It'll be the uh, OHV parks first because mm-hmm. there's a bunch yeah. of petitions going around oh, for yeah. electric bike, electric dirt bike only OHV parks, and oh, we're yeah. gonna have a lot of opportunity to ride year round on electric bikes in the dirt. Yep. No green stickers, mm-hmm. no red stickers, and and probably the public is gonna be a lot more welcoming to set land aside for that. So that's probably the direction I'll go in electric well, first. I, I think you're gonna start seeing a lot of parks open up that are closer to town or even inside of town like skate parks but yeah. for motorcycles yes totally and emma and jim are you guys are electric curious right oh god yeah mm-hmm. you oh, yeah, no, say, cool. matt you haven't ridden an electric yet right i haven't i spent a little bit of time on a zero and i enjoyed it one of the newer the right. older ones so during the first yeah, generation the, i've only ridden that moment. one thing that excites yeah. me about electrics is if you can get good electric sport bikes then oh. you can bring tracks back to cities. Oh, yep. Okay. Right. Because so, yeah. noise regulation is something that keeps tracks mm-hmm. That's away from people. That's a good point. So, Ted, I think what we're seeing yeah. is in the dirt bike, in the sport bike, and right now there's people who are riding from like uh, up north, like polar ice, the Arctic, down to the tip of uh, South, South America, America on electric are modified KTMs, right? ADVs. Um, I think, so ADVs, uh, eventually touring bikes will exist. Mm -hmm. I I don't, I mean, do you see an electric cruiser? It seems like the engine is the soul of the cruiser. I mean, why not? Uh, Because I don't think Harley guy, people will buy it. I I think Harley will make it, but their their consumer won't buy it. I mean, you might, but... Harley's uh, Harley just needs to... Convincing people that it's going to be worth the money is the one thing. Right. But y- if it. you look at the live wire, it's not yeah. really a cruiser. It's not at all a cruiser. No. It's, you know, it's, no, it's, it's just, it's a thing. I mean, it's a hell of a thing. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. I like it. The only thing that stops me signing up for an electric bike right now is that there isn't one made with a gin dispenser. Oh, I just, I just got the that's, big picture. That's an aftermarket accessory. I just got it. Applause. Okay. So I realize what's going to happen. There's so, a light bulb on above your head right now. Like <laughs> so I see Harley is queuing up 
with the live wire, which is not like right. anything that their people ride. And they're just waiting for all you old farts to die off for them <laughs> to introduce the new bikes wait, wait, wait. for the, for the you youngins. Say, what do you mean, you old farts? <laughs> <laughs> How far behind me are you now? Uh, did you hear me mention I did 150 miles an hour on my Super Duke? Uh, okay. Come on. I've also been ten slapped. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe Harley is making the move. Maybe that's why they're not making an electric cruiser. I think maybe they're recognizing, as many of us are seeing here, that electric is the future. No. They're biding near time. They're going to see how Zero and Lightning does yeah. with their technology. Uh, and I honestly, and this is going to sound crude, but I think they're going to copycat this. They want to see how well they do with it before sure. they go ahead. And I, really, I, really I realize do what the real question here is. The question. Go on. The question isn't will Harley survive. The question is will the cruiser survive. Mm. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, I, I think Harley 10, 12 years from now looks pretty much like Harley today. They're making the same yes. kind of bikes for the same kind of people. I think they're going to live by that and probably never die by that. I, I think don't know. I think in 20 years, and, yeah. everything will have changed radically. Right, but, num but not Harley. You can argue that the engine is the soul of a cruiser. Yeah. But mm -hmm. when you take the engine away, cruiser's still a nice place to be. It's got a big, pleasant seat. It's got a nice upright riding position. It's a very large, roomy, comfortable bike to ride. So right. it, it also has a pretty low seating position. Right, exactly. Oh so, my god, yes. So yeah. there's always going to be people who will like cruisers long after infernal combustion engines have gone right. by the wayside. There's, there's still going to be big, rangy, comfortable but bikes. I, I wonder if we bet, like, say 10 years from now at Sturgis, what percentage of those bikes are going to be electric Ooh, oh, right in God. 10 years at Sturgis how many electric bike right exactly 5%? so I, I think Harley just keeps doing what Harley's always done you know and at least in the last 60 70 years or build rumbly badass bikes that make people feel right. badass but I tell you what I mean I'll say it in front of everybody right now if the live wire comes at a decent price point I'll buy one cool well, I, you know honestly I will too well, there you go thanks Ted what yeah, no yes no I will you're if I have the money. <laughs> <laughs> how, many, how many bikes do you own now, Ted? I own one. Oh, well, that's the problem. Wow. That is the problem. You know, that's why I, I sold my Harley. I could fit three bikes in its place. <laughs> oh, I, I, have, I was thinking, but I have five bikes. The most expensive one I bought was $2,300. Oh my God! They all run though. That's your FCC. Right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Crap. That's what I do now. <laughs> so Ted, when are you going to come out here and let us take you for our kind of ride? Uh, I would love to come out there. I really, really would. It's uh, being on the West Coast, basically, all my friends that I've uh, talked to, listening to you guys. Uh, I know what the I understand what the riding is like. The furthest west I've been. Uh, is uh, Moab, Utah. I did do some mountain biking, that's but awesome. that's about it. But I did live in Santa Barbara when I was one and a half years old. That that doesn't mean anything. <laughs> well, yeah. You ever carving up the canyons on your uh, big wheel? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, come out for sure. Nut, nut slap pass awaits. Yeah, oh, yeah. I Great. would <laughs> love to put you on a zero for a test ride. Mm. Sure. Do uh, it. I'll ride anything. Put you on. Uh, have you been dirt biking? Oh, uh, God, not since I was about 14. Yeah, we can take you for some different types of rides. Uh, are you up for a naked ride? 
Uh, no. <laughs> uh, <laughs> gorilla Fred? Me, I don't even want to see. <laughs> well, I think I think that that is the question. I think is the cruiser going to survive? And and definitely that is part of the lifestyle. And we, right. we're we're saying Harley, and now I realize it's not I, Harley is making the play towards the future. Um, so are a lot of the other brands. They're all looking towards the future. Um, is is the big twin going to survive? And the big twin is something that is unique. It's a unique experience. But time will tell. I think in 20 years, things are going right. to be really different. It's an exciting well, time. I've got something for you. Yeah. There are basically four motorcycles that you can call iconic and people know what you're talking about you could say kz 1000 and people know what you're talking about right you can say cb 750 and people know what you're talking about right you could say bonneville yeah and people know what you're talking about and like it or not you can say sportster and people know what you're talking about yeah those four bikes they mean something to somebody i agree with you ted sure you, you sure. pretty much nailed it all right well I thank you for joining us. Do you? Um, we're going to start get, getting into some emails and stuff. Do you want to stay with us? Sure, absolutely. Because uh, I know it's late out there. I appreciate you hanging with us. Yeah, it's not quite past my bedtime yet. Hey, it's a good time to mention, though. We're doing a little trade here. I'm uh-huh. going to be on his podcast this week. Oh, yeah, yes, yeah, yes, yeah, you. Yeah, I know. Mm-hmm. I've been I've been warning him. I'm like, you know, I'm I'm going to like bully your your co-host are you gonna drop the are you gonna drop the f-bomb darling oh Oh, please you have to that's the rule (laughs) (laughs) you have to oh because they're from new jersey you mean forget about it yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> that's All right, so stick with us. We are going to read sure. some quick emails. Um, Emma, you want to start? Okay. Um, I have an email here from Steve from Missouri. Very unusual surname. His surname is B Alternative. So, Mr. Steve B Alternative, Misfits. Like a lot of your other new listeners, I started when I saw the group on Rides with Norman. Still getting these emails right on. Since then, oh my God, he's been listening. He's been binge listening while at work. And as of today, September the 20th, 2016, he's all caught up and I've got nothing to do at work except for work. Oh, you you poor darling. So anyway, um, he's, he's got a complaint. He's, oh. He has a complaint bring it, out of bring the box. It. Yeah. One of my pet peeves from yours and the Cleveland Motor Show, so he's trashing both of us, <laughs> is how easy you make it sound of getting a title for a bike. Did we imply <laughs> it was easy getting a title? Oh, my God. You need to stop making it sound so easy. You I just see, said it was possible. Here's the rub. <laughs> Back in 19, uh, 1914, back in 2014, <laughs> he convinced his wife that he could start a business buying and selling bikes. People have somehow lost their titles. I can save you from this purgatory. So, of course, he's been buying them for next to nothing. Um, and Vermont. He, he's figured out, yeah, he's figured out the key of getting a title. I know exactly what he's doing. So it gives him some leverage when he's haggling over the price. So anyway... Um, most of his stuff, it appears, is from the 80s and 90s, and there's a common denominator here. He's buying these bikes cheap, sub 1,000 bucks. I mean, he's talking about a V45 Magna, 
or magma, as I call them. <laughs> um, mm, 600 bucks, can't go wrong. And it looks a beautiful bike. But of course, like everything else from the 80s, he had to go through the carburetors, he had to put fork seals in it, had to do the brakes. Um, and he... I'm cutting this down, so I, I do apologize, Steve, but it's... I'm realizing now. that there's probably so many times we talk about these kind of projects that we take on that people like Ted just think we're idiots for buying these $600 bikes that break down all the time. And right. Harley is the one with a bad, <laughs> right. bad exactly. reputation? What the heck? But, no, the thing I like about this, I'm going to finish with it, so I'm not done with you yet, Steve. Hang tight. He doesn't really have an up-the-butt bike, um, but he's been riding for 40 years, my kind of guy, in joy um does he rides whenever he can mostly 100 mile trips however he loves cruisers he's got seven bikes right now let me li list them he has his daily is a 96 vulcan okay he's got three v65 magmas <laughs> He's got a 96 Katana 600, I apologize, um, yeah. sport bike, one token sport bike, and a 99 Shadow 750, and the V45 Magna. Um, last paragraph. That is what makes your show as good as it is. You have grown your biker community, and you can go on group rides and hang out with all your friends that bike as well when they don't crash in front of you. <laughs> Please keep up the good work. I'm sure most of your fan base has no idea the effort that it takes to do this every week. Honey, you have no idea the effort it takes to make me speak a coherent fucking sentence every day, <laughs> let me tell you. <laughs> Steve from Missouri. Have another gym. Have the gym. Yeah, thank you, darling. Um... <laughs> What a nice email. Thanks, Steve. Very nice. All right, Quiet Matt, what do you got? I have an email here from Peter Bolton. And <laughs> Hello, he Peter. talks about iron butt tips. Mm -hmm. But before that... Yeah, Ted, are you listening to this one? Oh, I'm listening. Please, okay. let me hear it. Okay. Before he goes into iron butt tips, he wants to say how disappointed he is that we didn't read his email previously about sneaking beer into Circuit of the Americas <laughs> and that we really missed out um, but then he goes on to talk about iron butts that he's done he's attempted twice it seems like uh, starting in Colorado and heading through Mississippi and into St. Louis and what's he riding he says he did it with a friend and he's riding, riding a friend, his friend. <laughs> <laughs> That's a way to do it. That's a way to cross it. Can your friend break yeah. a ton? <laughs> <laughs> with, with one of them on a 2001 oh. W650 and mm -hmm. one on a 93 ZX6 Ninja. Wow! So one of the Bold tips, choices. Yes. Painful. So mm. one of the tips that he gives, though, is riding, riding bikes with radically different ergonomics so that you can switch and get different seating positions along the way. So, Ted, yes. we need to team up then. My Versus and, and your bike, and we'll just swap out every 50 miles? Yep. 50. Okay, whatever. <laughs> okay, sure. All right, it, keep can, going. can you legally switch out on an, uh, doing a uh, an iron butt though? I'm not uh, sure. Yeah, he sure. says it's not. He says as long as they both both bikes go the entire yeah. trip, he thinks it's okay. I suppose, yeah. Yeah. Not that not that anybody's going to be any wiser, right? Right. Well, you still have ridden a motorcycle a thousand right. miles in you know 24 hours. Finish so. that email. Yeah, he talks about uh, taking breaks before you get tired, switching before you get. Mm -hmm. um, That's a good point. Yeah. 
It is, the thing to be concerned about is just getting tired. And, I mean, when I've done it, my butt just ached, but you just kind of... Yeah, see, if you rode a Harley, that wouldn't have been a problem. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's true, though, man. Like, when I rode that, the idea of those bikes cruising across country would be just awesome. Yeah, well, if it's not a problem, then why haven't you done it? I don't have no time. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. All right, any more on that, Matt? Yeah, he also talks about the importance of faffing about marks, where when you stop for gas... You um you put a sticker on someone's helmet and give them marks, bad marks for faffing about. Oh, so uh, taking too much taking, time. Taking too much yes. time. Oh, yeah. I like that. <laughs> you can start carrying a sharpie when we uh, a sharpie for Mike. So is it like three <laughs> strikes and you're out and you just ditch the person? He says whoever has the most marks has to buy the beer at the end. I like that. Ah. Yeah. Ah. I'd be like, you just drove my helmet. I'd punch you in the face. <laughs> Jim E., you have a, a short email here? Uh, yes. Uh, let's see here. Um, Leon Bowles writes in, hey, everyone at Coolest Place next to Disneyland. Not sure what number of podcast it was, but someone mentioned riding Asian style. Not that I'm offended by it, because I've been to the Far East, and I see this stuff going on. I thought you might like this photo. Uh, he attached a, a photo. What is Asian It's style. like a family of right. five yeah, on yeah, a yeah. scooter. Yep. Yeah, there's like five people and kids hanging off, and it's like Dragon Tail and stuff. And I don't really think it's Asian style. It's just like third world style. You yeah, know? It's yeah. pragmatic. Anywhere, you know? Yeah. Pragmatic yeah, style. But uh, yeah, lots of people on small bikes. Cool. Okay, yeah. very good. And just to prove that we do read every email. Every single one. Charlie, would you read the email you have? Um... <laughs> <laughs> I know which email he's got. <laughs> Dear friend, I am Barrister Karim Johnson Esquire, Esquire, a solicitor at Law and Family Attorney. I, I thought he was a board actor for a minute. <laughs> I contacted you before about my late client that has the same surname with you, but did not receive any reply from you. Kindly get back to me at this email. Um, for more details and clarifications, sincerely. Sign me up. What, was your was your client riding wearing all the gear? <laughs> so we even read the spam. Is my point. <laughs> uh, Bagel, you have an email yes. that came quite long. Yes. On the one hand, I really appreciate these long emails because people feel uh, closeness to us and want to share. On the other hand, there's no way we can read them. Fully. So you're going to give us some of the high points? I, I'm going to do my best. I, okay. I tried to cut out some, but it's, it's still pretty long. Um, this is from Ken Haylock. Uh, Ken says, Hi, folks. There are a couple things that really motivated me to email you after last week's great track day and cat-driven show. And, of course, once again, when I get my rant on, I really get my rant on. The first was the joys and frustration of riding a supermoto on track days. I've had the fun experience of riding a KTM 660 supermoto around a makeshift track at a demo event at in the company of proper British championship supermoto racers with a bunch of other punters on smaller bikes. Oh, good show. And and it was just brilliant, brilliant fun. I think the video of the Misfits track session on the go-kart track was a perfect representation of the kind of place where these bikes work best. However, I've also had the experience of being the guy on the 600cc sports bike on track day at my local circuit, Pembry, in a session with three supermotos, two big four-strokes and a big two-stroke. The day was everything wrong with supermotos on non-supermoto track days in microcosm, in my opinion. <clears throat> Firstly, these things were running 
on race wet tires in the dry, and they could carry absolutely ridiculous corner speed in the slower, more nagery corners, sometimes sideways, on lines that bore no relation to the sports bike lines. <clears throat> Define nagery, Emma. <laughs> <laughs> No. (laughs) (laughs) So he said, which would have been utterly brilliant if they had had the track to themselves to play with each other. In the slower corners, they were up the sport bike's exhaust pipes, clearly being held up by the held up massively by the to the understandable frustration of the riders. But the moment the track straightened up, or even even through the faster corners, the boot was on the other foot, and they were in the way. On the main start, uh, the main start finished straight. The supermotos were an effective and potentially dangerous mobile chicane. Basically, we were ruining their fun somewhat, and they were harshing our mellow as well. Last session before lunch, the CR500 decided that being run flat out on a tarmac wasn't what it was designed for, and it seized catastrophically, although the rider luckily didn't come off. His day ended halfway through, bike on trailer, off home to rebuild his engine. The first session after lunch, we also discovered what big thumpers think of running on red line down flat out straights on the track day lap after lap, as one of the big four strokes blew up right at the start of the braking zone into hatchet's hairpin at the end of the flat out main straight, liberally salting it with engine case, oil, and bits of piston and conrod. The rider then coasting off innocuously into the escape road, wondering why his engine had stopped. I arrived, fortunately, just off the same line about 10 seconds later to a yellow flag because the marshal hadn't realized the guy's engine had gone pop yet, and I very nearly fell off when I crossed the oil with my knee down, and the bike went sideways about a foot. (laughs) Behind me, three bikes crashed heavily, and one guy broke his femur as well as completely destroyed his SV650. We then lost the next two hours while a helicopter ambulance came in so the guy could be moved off the track and away to the hospital, and then the track could be washed clean while the two supermoto guys loaded up their bikes into their vans and left under something of a cloud. Then, the first first session back was immediately red flagged after somebody crashed in the same place, and we lost another half hour while they washed the tracks more. I ended up getting a single 20-minute session from the entire rest of the afternoon. And I'll skip a little bit, and he says um, that... um, I've never ridden as hard on the street as I have at the track, even on the Isle of Man TT course over the over on the portions over the mountain with no speed limit, with miles of visibility, where I've been traveling far faster than norm, than I normally would. I've been in road mode, not track mode, because it's still an open road with other traffic on, and because high siding myself into a dry stone wall dry, dry stone wall would have ended my fun permanently. I I keep knee down cornering for the track. It has no place on the road. Uh, then, in the in the interest of research, I found the infamous fish hook on Google Street View, <laughs> and I can see the attraction. And if it were a corner on a racetrack with loads of runoff, uh, runoff and corner workers and the like, I think it would be probably one of the most iconic corners in racing anywhere in the world. But it's not on a track. And if you attempt to push the limits on uh, the uh, push the limits on it the way you would on a track, you will inevitably crash at some point, And it looks like a really terrible place to crash a motorcycle at any speed because if you don't get hit by the traffic around you you either slide headfirst into a concrete wall or fly over the concrete wall into oncoming oncoming traffic even if they cleared the other traffic off of it for an hour you'd still worry about the surface has a mobile yakking driver recently clipped the inside shoulder and dragged a load of gravel on the road since your last pass did grandpa's old clunker drop a little splodge of sump oil right in your perfect line since the last time you came this way oh dear grandpa there are no corner workers to wave a red and yellow striped flag to warn you of either Depending on which lane you are in over the over the bridge, you might not be able to see whether the freeway you're joining is backed up. And if you decide to rail around there at speed and discover solid traffic
traffic at the bottom backing up onto the 20 mile per hour marked section of the curve, you might have nowhere to go. On a track, there would be flags being waved if the track was blocked ahead. On the street, it's just a hideous, almost certainly fatal collision with the back of a stopped car. I could go on and on, but the point is, you can't go anywhere near track fast around the fishhook more than a couple of times and expect to live, and you can't measure how well you're taking the fishhook by looking at your speedo. Okay, but what's the point? Uh, yeah. Well, uh, let me get to it. We know, we yeah, know, right. we know that. Yeah, yeah that's why we the, take the it. correct speed for a corner like that is one is one where you can stop in the distance you can see to be clear. If you can't stop in the distance you can see to be clear, you're saying if there's something around that corner today, I'm going to crash into it, and eventually there will be something and you will crash into it, and that's how it and and how it ends is a matter of fortune. But the fact that you that you crashed wasn't bad luck; it was the inevitable consequence of the decisions you made. If you live Limit yourself to riding within your sight lines on the street. The game becomes maximizing how far you can see to enable your, you to safely carry more speed. Adjusting your lines to maximize how far you can see is a completely different thing. Qualitatively, <laughs> to trying to get the speed. Wow. Oh, get restless. Okay. okay. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't have enough time to properly edit this. But anyway, um, but we we get that. Okay, but get we it. take educated risks, and yes. I think today's accident with cat is an example of that yeah. well first of all a friend of mine died going around that corner right secondly i've personally come around the opposite way that was on the northbound side she died high sighted in the wall I yeah. came around a southbound side, and a truck had spilled apples across the road. Ooh, that was really fucking but Jim, interesting, you know. But her yeah. picture is posted in this garage, mm. and I tell everyone about her. Yeah, and yet, as a reminder, yet, and I myself make the choice to sometimes. sometimes. I, I accept that risk and that responsibility. And I the get whole it. thing with the track sounds like a normal day at the t- day at the track on a two-stroke to me. I mean, if you race GP bikes and stuff, like the whole motards and this and that, like, well, that's kind of typical track duty, man. You know? I know. So thank you to everyone who sent in the emails, except for the barrister. No, I'm going to contact him right now. You, you're responding to that one. I want a windfall from my long-lost family member who died. Mm-hmm. Um, and just a quick heads up, if anyone realized that's Bagel, he is back I am. from Pakistan. Yay. And it, I'm sure it is killing him. He has so many stories to tell. But that is going to be next week's podcast. Yes. But uh, just real quick summary, Bagel, how was the trip? It was was absolutely phenomenal. Um, this this was the the first trip that uh, Moeen has done on scooters. Put your hat on while you tell the right. story. <laughs> oh, it doesn't fit over the headphones, but, but I yes, I did come back with a, an authentic Pakistani hat. But uh, it, it was an absolutely phenomenal experience. Um, we we got in there and f- just f- the first moment we left the airport, we were just plunged headlong into the chaos of Islamabad traffic, and. We were just thinking, like, oh my God, what are we going to do riding in this for two weeks? Um, but once we actually got on the bikes and, and tried it out, um, you know, it, we, it it really required a complete shift in thinking about how you ride because it's just utter chaos on the streets and you just have to be a fish in the sea swimming through it. And once we kind of uh, grasped that concept, it, it went okay. Um, but uh, but the the trip was was just absolutely phenomenal. The the scenery in Pakistan is like 
it's like nothing you can even imagine. Even if you see pictures, nothing compares to actually being there, facing you know twenty thousand foot mountains in front of you. It is it is just so real quick. What's one of your favorite? One of your highlights? Um, one of let's see, man. So there are so many. It's hard to pick, but. Um, the the Hunza Valley was absolutely beautiful. Yes. Uh, going yeah. into Karimabad, uh, it was just just so spectacularly scenic. Did the, you go to Pasu? Yes, yes. Pasu uh, was, was another just absolute and beautiful Jim, highlight. The mountains awesome. there, were phenomenal. Jim. You know they were riding what was it like 1954 Vespas. That's well, amazing. With eight inch, 60s and 70s. 60s and 70s Vespas. Vespas. Did they, with, with eight inch with wheels. With eight inch wheels. Eight inch wheels. <laughs> over the, over like the DOSI planes. planes. Yes. That's yes. what we, we talked were, earlier. Oh my God. Yes. With eight inch wheels. The rocks are bigger. Yeah. We were, yes. we were to to our the best of our knowledge, we were the first people to cross the DSI planes on Vespas. Did those things make it to the to the to the top to the pass? Oh, yeah, yeah. We made oh, it all the way up to Hundred. Wow. And well, you guys amazing. Yeah. Wow. You guys rejected though, right? Uh, yeah, we did. I hope so. We did a, a little bit of jetting, not nearly as much as I would have thought. Uh, yeah. Although I have honestly, I have to think that that part of the the voodoo of, of Vespa maintenance in Pakistan was was letting the dirt clog up the jets the farther we went up in altitude, <laughs> and then clearing them out as we went down. <laughs> <laughs> 15,400 feet something like that uh, so I think it's over 16,000 at Hundurab uh-huh. um, it was just it was just amazing and um and, and cold and, is but the, fun. Yeah, and, yeah. And, but the thing that, that impressed me the most, though, was just the the warm and welcoming nature of the people. Yes. Uh, without without exception, every single person we met there was genuinely friendly and very curious to, to talk with us and get to know who we were, what we were doing there, thanking us for coming to visit their country, inviting us to, to have tea with them, you know, insisting that that we, we shouldn't pay, that they would pay for us, um, and it, it was it was. Was so refreshing to to see that, and the <laughs> it, it, it really re- restored my faith in humanity, and and that's that's something that that yeah. I can't impress enough. Um, so if anyone ever is, wants to take the adventure of a lifetime, I highly recommend going and writing. Well, we're going to get the whole story next week, and you're going to bring yes. uh, yeah, Brooke, yeah, yeah. who is one of your writing companions. Yes, Brooke to will talk be with about us. it. So I wanted to real quick since we're closing up, we've got Ted still on the line. Then we Hello. we also have Ted. Jim. We also have Jim and Kathy who have joined us. Um, Hi. Who are also from New Jersey. I want to get uh, go around and find out what everyone's up the butt bike is. Ted, I know what you know. What this is uh, yep. Jim and Kathy. Are you prepared to answer this question? What's an up the butt bike? Okay. <laughs> we'll take that as a yes. Oh boy. An up the butt bike is a bike that you look at and you go, Whew, "I would take it up the butt for that." A Ducati. <laughs> <laughs> so, 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 yeah. They're easy. Uh, the, um, I don't know. The, the one I cost 25K. Uh, Panigale? Which one? All right. So that's one in the bike shop the other yeah, day. Yeah, Panigale. That's a, that's a butt worthy <laughs> bike. Yes. Kathy, how about you? I'm just a passenger. Come on. Then, from the passenger <laughs> perspective, what would you rather be uh, riding on the back of? Um,. A Harley Ultra Limited. Sure. Okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and when I should ask Jim, uh, Jim and Kathy, what yes. are you riding here today? Oh. Uh, we rented a uh, BMW R1200R. Nice. nice. Well, that's not oh, bad. Oh, it's just very sweet. Everyone, what do you ride at home? I have an ST1300. Oh, okay. Oh, cool. cool. Okay. Touring. All right. Ted, Hello. I know you have a I reputation was- to look out for. <laughs> But I want to know, what is your up-the-butt bike? 
Well, you know, it has changed several times over the years. Um, when I first test rode the V-Rod, that was it for the longest time. Hold on, and before then, you answer, and then, does anyone here in the room think it's not going to be a Harley? Hmm. Oh. I'll take that bet. Oh, Charlie's yeah, saying, "All right, Ted." What All right, is- and then for and then I had an opportunity, and then well, then I saw a uh, long way round, and I said, "Well, I got to get me a BMW uh, 1200GS." Oh. That's, what I, that's it. Oh, and, oh then, and then I rode the uh, oh, no. the the Harley Roadster. And I said, oh. That was it. <laughs> And, but no, the the bike that I recommend every one of you go to the, your nearest Harley dealer and take the CBO Street Breakout for a ride. I'll take that up the butt for that. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Look, I can see the smile on his face He's there. On the oh yeah. Ear. Ted, <laughs> do you do you know what my current up the butt bike is? Uh, the one you're riding? No, no, no. Well, that was my last one. Uh, but okay. no, my butt is healed. My current up the butt bike <laughs> is actually a Harley. Oh? A VR, VR 1000 race bike. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Maybe. Yeah. I, I'd take it up the butt. Those for that, are cool. Right? Yeah, that's, that's pretty Oh, yeah. Nice. Yeah. Well, cool. Well, and Ted, thank you very much for joining us. I appreciate it. I want to thank you guys for having me on. I got to tell you, I've been listening to you guys for a while, and I really, really honestly like your show. I really do. It's very entertaining, and I really appreciate all the things that you guys say and talk about on the show. And all of you guys are characters, and I will always listen to your show. And thank you for entertaining me. <laughs> and, and you were lucky enough Thanks. to get a virtual tour today. Of, yes, of the I garage. did. <laughs> Thanks to modern technology, I walked my phone around and with the video going and showed him the parking lot and the dead possum and everything else in here. <laughs> that was cool. So thanks. That. Stop that, Jim. That. Stop that, Jim. So thank you again. Um, and thank also you. I want to send a thanks to all of our listeners, the people who emailed, our Patreon subscribers, uh, the people who are buying t-shirts. I God, I'm so flattered each time. I really do appreciate it. So I just want to say if you would like to reach us or buy a t-shirt or contribute or do anything, <laughs> uh, go to motorcyclesandmisfits.com and you'll find the links to everything there. Ted, uh, I'm going to have to bring your, your volume down because you're about to laugh out loud because Jim is <laughs> waving a giant dildo behind me. I know this. <laughs> and he's doing his best. He's doing his best. So yeah, go to motorcyclesandmisfits.com um, and also thanks again to everyone who has left a review on iTunes. We appreciate it. So I know that there's probably people with opinions. I would like to hear if anyone else thinks that uh, the cruiser is going to survive this future wave of technology because I just don't know. I just don't know. Uh, We'll see. All right, so I think we're ready to wrap it up. This is Eliza. Bagel. Naked Jim. Jim. Charlie. Here's Emma. Matt. And we got over there Kathy. There you go. Jim and Ted. Piss off! <laughs> 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 All right, let's All get right. out of here. Out. Cool, cool, cool. cool.